Welcome to the Tiny Box Dialogues. This series was created to share the knowledge of our experts using real examples from real people with real stories. Welcome to Tiny Box Dialogues. Today we are speaking to Lucas Cos, an internationally recognized and renowned architect who has received many accolades and I have to read them because I can't remember them all. So best of year by uh, Interior Design Magazine, New York City, Restaurant and Bar Design Awards finalist at London, featured in Tashin, Vogue, Architectural Digest, Giorgio Armani, Mercedes-Benz, and I'm sure the list goes on and on and on, Lucas. Please, would you take a moment to introduce yourself and say hi to our audience? Uh, hello, Raj, and thank you uh, for inviting me for this talk. It's an honor um, and a great privilege to be speaking to you about this. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a registered architect in Canada, uh, kind of traveled the world, worked all over the place, Toronto, LA, Shanghai, Warsaw, and London now. So I'm based in Warsaw and uh, starting to do work in London, as well as Poland. And I basically specialize in high-end residential projects, uh, hospitality work, mainly restaurants. I've done some hotel work as well in the past. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned a lot of the publications that I've been uh, uh, you know, included in, as well as awards that I've been uh, awarded uh, internationally for my work. So this, the, the list is quite extensive. I won't brag about it too much. Um, I was educated in uh, the University of Toronto, the Faculty of Architecture there. That's uh, where I earned my master's degree. I really cut my teeth though at Frank Gehry's office in Los Angeles, where I worked on a number of very complex high-end projects, including uh, Louis, Louis Vuitton flagship, Tiffany and Company flagship. Uh, there was a Orient, uh, Mandarin Oriental uh, five-star hotel flagship as well, and a bunch of other uh, sort of very high-end projects at Gehry's office. And really the lessons that I learned there, I've taken with myself uh, in my own independent career moving forward after Frank Gehry's office. And, um, I think the sort of uh, success is a clear indicator of how much impact that office really did have on me as a learning experience. So you know that I'm Canadian and I've lived in Toronto and I'm a huge fan of Frank Gehry. So I was always very impressed when you told me that you worked with Frank Gehry. The first place I visited when I came to Germany was um, in Dusseldorf. He has some stuff on the waterfront there. Yeah, beautiful pieces. So yeah, very much appreciate you giving us that background. And we do like to say at the dialogues, we like to bring in the experts. So it's nice that you've given us some of that, um, shown your integrity that you are definitely the expert to be on this call. Now, I'm gonna jump right in and say, this is the first time we've had an exclamation point in our title, hire a designer, exclamation point. Why did you land on that title for our talk in particular? Yeah, I think because we were, I mean, before we agreed to do this, we had our little chat. And I think the idea was, Really, why are uh, designers and architects necessary or you know, an asset actually to any uh, business invent, uh, investment that requires a sort of brick and mortar uh, establishment? And the exclamation point really comes from a recent experience that I'm having. I've been invited to consult on a restaurant project in London that was already well underway. Mm -hmm. and is way behind schedule and is way over budget and all the reason and the only reason is because they didn't hire a designer and architect they thought they could do it all by themselves mm -hmm. and it's a mess so really i think that's the catalyst for our conversation here is why are designers and architects not only <clears throat> needed for you know creating beautiful spaces that clients will want to come back to but how are they going to help you with your roi and make sure you don't blow your budget on silly things that designers and architects can do easily 
You know, I think that's really what jumped out at me when we first had that conversation is that people really underestimate the importance of design in these projects. They undervalue the effectiveness, the impactfulness of design. We're going to take it from a different perspective of human interaction versus ROI. But I think that it is a provocative title for a reason. And why do you think that is that people are just underestimating that design is needed for a new restaurant or building? Is it, you know, is it just hubris? Is it ego? <laughs> what is it? Well, I personally think there's, uh, there's, well, there's an underestimation for sure, but I think there's a negative stereotype associated with interior designers and architects. Um, you know, Hollywood doesn't help. There's that terrible movie from 2016 called The Architect. Um, oh, really? I seen and it. it really just paints, it's, it's the most, it paints the architect in the worst sort of negative stereotypes that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if that's the sort of public, uh, misconception about what architects and interior designers do, then I'm not surprised that they may want to shy away from uh, working with an architect or a designer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But yeah, but what they really do underestimate is, you know, yes, we do provide a service that uh, allows um, allows your space or your you know your business to to have a uh, design quality that you know is competitive in the marketplace that'll draw clients to your business. But you know that's really just like ten percent of the the project is the sort of fun part, creating the beautiful space. Ninety percent of <laughs> what we do is really kind of mundane and boring. We're there to like manage the project, make sure it comes in on budget, it's specified properly, and then it's executed on time in the time like, allotted to us. And that really is an expertise, and really does require uh, experience for you know to be able to do that. And I think a lot of clients. Uh, think they can do it themselves and a lot of do I'm not you know I'm not naysaying clients that go after it and they do it and you know they take the time to do that but I think a client's time is better spent doing the things uh, that they're good at which is you know building up their business as opposed to taking uh, calls from contractors 10-15 times a day uh, or you know material suppliers 10-15 times a day Uh, you know it's a huge distraction from what they're supposed to be doing, which is building up their business. I find that very surprising, actually. I'm glad you share that because I think that's also a stereotype that's perpetuated is that the 10% of the actual picking things and doing the pretty work, right? Whereas now you're talking about it, it's the same reason that people need admin assistance because you cannot manage every single call on your own. But I love that you have the final say and you can be a core component of the project team for the building. So that's fantastic. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit into the brand itself, and then we can come back to some of those ROI issues. Um, So now you said to me once that designers are experts in human experience. That was the quote. And I really love that quote. But I wanted to ask you on the dialogue why you describe it that way and why you think that's important. Well, I mean, if let's just take a restaurant, for example. I mean, the experience of a restaurant isn't just the food. Right. And even the, the, let's just even take the food at a restaurant. The experience of the food isn't just the taste of the food, but it's the full whole presentation. What does the, how is the food composed? Uh, you know, what's the taste balance? Is it too salty? Is it not, you know, is it too sweet? The lighting on the food is the, the lighting you know, uh, the pro- appropriately calibrated to the type of food that's being presented at that restaurant. That's just the food. We're not even talking about like, the table ergonomics, the chair ergonomics, the height of the ceiling the width of the space between uh, people at the table. There are just countless uh, elements that go into creating a space that 
um, is comfortable, is exceptional, uh, creates a, an environment that clients want to come back to. And also not only just come back to, but then promote through word of mouth, you know, the, that investment in a fantastic space for your restaurant is really an investment in your, uh, you know, on your ROI at the end of the day. I think, you know what, I actually, the first time I was introduced to how important that is, it was working at McDonald's and I found out there was an interior designer that came in and it turns out that they've actually designed it ergonomically and colors and lighting on the food so that you don't want to stay indoors so they can have huge turnover. So that's why the walls are green because that's actually not an appealing color to have within the restaurant. So that was the first time I was ever introduced to it. So I can very much attest that this is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about customers and we're talking about humans as customers, there's been a lot of pushback because I think customers are becoming more attuned to what's happening in the marketplace and they want to be treated like human beings. They want to be treated individually and they want special, um, you know, attention and they're willing to wait now for packages, not overnight from Amazon, but willing to wait for whatever their product is so that it's local and sustainable. And there's so many components to it. We are reverting back to personal and special interactions. And I guess I'm curious how design helps with that. Like, what do people forget about this human aspect when they start their building process even? Can you share even a story with us about, you know, when, when there was a bad design for humans? <laughs> sure. Well, I think, I mean, not to like dwell on McDonald's. I think McDonald's is an example of a company that, you know, that was a strategy in the past. I think they've changed their strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, they're now retrofitting their, um, you know, their spaces to be more uh, comfortable. I mean, yeah. here in, in, in Europe, I mean, there's like now lounges with deep seats, you know, leather couch lounge wow. type seating uh, in the cafe. So it's, um, they're, they've, I think they've realized that it's, you know, they're competing with um, a lot of healthy choices that are out there, which is a big part and a big component of restaurant design and, you know, the restaurant business is, you know, the fast food uh, industry really is moving towards these sort of healthy options. And as a result, their interiors have to be less plasticky, more comfortable and more enjoyable. So right. moving, moving past McDonald's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, anecdotally, just living in Shanghai for four years um, and practicing there, huge i mean city of 25 million people 90 percent of them eat out right like it's the the restaurant industry is is massive there wow. uh tons of tons of food i mean i'm exaggerating with 90 percent probably but you know eating on eating on the go is, is a big part of the, the culture in asia and um but then like evening dinners and you know casual fine dining or even fine dining becomes just as competitive because you've got that mass of people wanting to find that next great dining experience. So that's, you know, Shanghai is a kind of extreme example where you've got such a massive amount of people. London really isn't that much different with what, 10, 12 million people, still very competitive. And if you want to compete in that, uh, in that market as a restaurant designer, you really do need to provide a space that people will want to come back to, feel comfortable in, that they'll want to uh, tell their friends about and brag about, oh, that they've been to this great new, yeah. new spot, amazing food, amazing interior. Um, you know, social media, we could go on about social media, about selfies and you know, TikToks <laughs> and food photos. That's all. Better have a good life for photos in the restaurant. I mean, exactly. Exactly. That's a whole other topic <laughs> that we could spend you know, another hour discussing. 
but all of those components, you know, again, are uh, uh, conceived somewhere. And if you're working with a designer that has that experience of creating that, that mm, mm, those special experiences for clients, it's going to help with the success of your project. Yeah, absolutely. And then the loyalty and commitment comes from that, right? Um, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, and maybe that's where you segued into restaurants. Was it through Shanghai? Because you used to work on other high-end buildings or you have in the past. I remember you saying that you've worked on a house in the Hamptons. So, you know, what... What brought you into deeper into the restaurant business? Is there something in particular that you love about it? Yeah, so I mean, definitely I started off really working on residential projects, high-end residential projects. My first project was actually when I was still a student at the University of Toronto. I won a competition for a three-story treehouse that got built uh, by a patron of architecture in Toronto. Uh, so I was very lucky and privileged to you know, be able to participate in that competition, win it, and then have that project sort of uh, published all over the world. And, uh, you know, which really was a kind of slingshot for my career. That's how I ended up in Frank Gehry's office. And from there, you know, the kind of sky was the limit. And I tended to really just attract clients that were looking for something special, specific, unique to their, to their needs. There was a uh, project, uh, uh, Villa in the Hamptons, you know, villas here in, in Europe and, you know, in Poland, there's a lot of very high net worth individuals in Poland looking for uh, investment in residential projects currently, uh, which is which is something that we're working on. And, uh, but the restaurants actually came about in, uh, in Shanghai. Yeah, there was just so much competition for creating kind of fantastic dining experiences that it was a natural sort of segue from what we were doing, which was these sort of great experiences on a residential personal level, transferring that, you know, uh, conveying that in a more public space, a commercial space that depends on clients feeling comfortable, welcome, uh, wanting to spend money, you know, wanting to uh, entertain their friends, bring their friends, show their friends this new place that they've discovered that nobody else knows. You know, there's a lot of ego involved in the sort of cachet of knowing a new place and you know that's what we help develop for our clients is that cachet well we know the restaurants i mean they have a very um difficult chance of success i mean isn't there a really horrible statistic about how many restaurants fail within the first year so clearly design has an impact on that and what i do love about you know you say that it started in shanghai is that you moved to warsaw right at a time where there was a lot of investment in restaurants as well and i remember going there because my sister had lived there at one point and there was this incredible like almost like timeout market that had been developed and it was incredible and I know you've worked on restaurants there too London is always in the market for new restaurants so of course but yeah I, you know did you find that all that experience from your global experience that actually was the perfect timing to come into Warsaw and help them develop their restaurant scene absolutely although I have to admit, I have to admit there's a lot of talented designers here um, and it's you know the the market is quite competitive in terms of uh, design lots of fantastic designers working in in Poland and they're working all over Europe as well there definitely is a strong design culture in this country that maybe isn't uh, well publicized uh, around the world but yeah. living here you know I've been sort of humbled by a lot of projects that I've walked into really you know they're doing it on a very exceptional high level. And I think that has to do with the fact that Warsaw is a uh, 
not only the capital city, but it's also the capital city. Uh, you know, it's where the banks are. It's where the major in, uh, international businesses have their uh, headquarters. Uh, the hotels here are, you know, far above the rest of Poland, I would say. So there's, you know, there's a lot of capital that's coming through the, through the city. And as a result of that capital, there's a demand for sort of excellence and, you know, again, human experience that is at an international level. And I think, uh, you know, it's a great city for that. Actually, that's a great segue from the capital because that brings us to the ROI and how we were discussing the financial impact when we underestimate the importance of the design element in these projects. Um, so, you know, why does a designer help people maximize their ROI and build their brand recognition? Let's come back to, you know, what's the level of loss that you've seen that you know could have been avoided and how could it have been avoided? Because to be honest, a lot of people think any, any architectural project or any building project always double the budget and double the time. That's kind of the standard thing that you hear often, whether it's your house or your restaurant or whatever it is. So I guess I just really want to dig into like, what, why is the ROI going to be improved and where have you done that before? Where have you, if you got a story for us and where you've seen that it saved money and saved time, it created efficiencies, et cetera. Well, with restaurant projects, haven't, we haven't doubled or extended the schedule uh, by two at all ever. In fact, it's usually been <laughs> We've usually been pretty close to budget or under budget uh, with yeah. the restaurants. With the residential projects, that's another story because as you start building, as the thing starts coming to life, it's really the doubling of the schedule and the doubling of the budget is client-driven where yeah. you know they've agreed to a concept, all the working drawings are complete, the contractors have priced everything, they, they, they go in and they start building things. And then the client says, oh, I would really love to upgrade this. I would really love to you know, okay. change this to this more lavish material. And Let that be what, a warning to any listeners. It's on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And usually the stuff that they want to bring back in was part of the concept and yeah. they took it out because it was going to be too expensive. But then once they see it in the space, they end up spending the money anyway. So it's uh the I'll be honest. I gotta tell you, Lucas, to be honest, that sounds like every single project that I've ever managed. So I totally understand. <laughs> right. So I'm you know, I'm here I am I'm defending you know, the practice of architects and interior designers. Love it. Really, we're here as, you know, a service provider for our, for our clients. And we're here to help them, you know, guide them in the direction they want to go to. If they want to spend more money, they want to take twice as long, we're here to help them do that as well. If they want to do it, you know, cheap and cheerful and as quickly as possible, you know, we're more than capable of doing that. It's really uh, at, the, at the behest of the, of the client what they want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. and with the so but with but with restaurants yeah you know well, uh you know going back to this anecdote this uh, this project in in london you know there's the, the this client has done smaller projects by themselves mm -hmm. uh, in the past and you know when you're talking about you know 30 or 40 seats uh in a restaurant that's manageable if, if you know what you're doing you know this new restaurant that is they're opening up 150 seats so five times the size okay. in a new uh, residential development at street level you know with high foot traffic high uh, street traffic uh you know very demanding developer with very demanding uh sort of branding requirements and quality requirements as well as scheduling requirements and i think that's where you start to switch over into needing a professional interior designer to help you through 
all of that project management, uh, the project that the project management aspect of the project. So you can have all of the great fun and design uh, up front, the ten percent, uh, which will help you will help you develop that so that you know the building management project is manageable within that budget and that the timeline. Um, and um, sorry, so that's where we come in as as experts, really. And I think with this with this client, they thought that they could just you know multiply their efforts times x with without the sort of knowledge of what that entails. And they've really dug themselves into a hole because, um, yeah, it's they've started things without the they they've started working with a professional contractor as well which has their own business model, which is kind of an industry standard business model. And if you're not aware of what that industry standard business model is, mm -hmm. you are going to have a really difficult time shoehorning yourself into that on the go. So that's really what we bring in as interior designers and architects is understanding of the, the sort of business model of the construction industry that's quite standardized and uh, you know, providing that service for the client within that model so that it comes in on budget on time. I got to say, uh, you know, during the MBA, we were asked to do a project where we had to design a restaurant. Now, this was like in terms of uh, revenue, profitable revenue. And um, what we discovered was very quickly in this modeling exercise is that the number of people at a bar versus a table versus the space of either of those has a huge impact on your revenue model, right? So that was, again, the first time I'd been introduced to just simply knowing how many bar stools you should have at a bar in a restaurant is a big impact on what's happening overall for the um, profitable business, right? So I really love that concept of bringing the designer because they'll get a sense of the space and know how you can maximize your revenue, I would assume. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's part of the business model of, the, that the client has for their restaurant. So if it's a bar-driven uh, establishment, so alcohol-driven establishment, then you, know, <laughs> then you put weight on the bar and making the bar the center of the experience. You know, if it's more about fine dining or casual fine dining, the bar plays the secondary uh, uh, secondary aspect to you know the actual dining experience of the restaurant. So it's really about you know finding that balance of what you want in, from your business model for the restaurant where yeah. you want to generate your income and then you build your uh, your design around that, for sure. I, in this particular case, I'm sure that with the foot traffic that's going by, this is a very huge impact on whether people can actually get a table. I, I'm sure there's lots that goes into that, but fantastic. Thank you so much. I want to just drill us a bit forward into the future. And we know that people are starting to invest more in physical assets. We know the building projects are going up again. I get emails all the time from Toronto about condo buildings going up, in fact. Um, we see that there's a lot of demand out there right now for design. Are you seeing that reflected um, You know, from the people that you know in your community? And when should they add the designer to the process, if that's the case? When should you design add the design of the process? Probably the sooner the better. Um, you can always, you know, consult with a designer or an architect, you know, in the kind of pre-design phase where you're developing the business model for your establishment, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, we're more than happy to talk to you about what your project is, give you some pointers, and you know, allow you to build that business model up before you're re actually ready to engage us for the actual design, right? In the kind of pre-design phase, we're happy to, you know talk about layouts, bar seat counts versus table seat counts, 
uh, foot traffic, you know, yeah. the ratio of the kitchen to the dining room, even things, you know, even the mon most mundane things you know, like, you know, fire exit uh, requirements right. in building, building code. I mean, these are things that people don't think about, but have huge impacts. You know, imagine going through all of the, the sort of design by yourself, uh, going to city council for approval, and they say, well, your fire exits are not to code. Here's yeah. where you have to create new corridors, which chop up your kitchen in half, and you know your whole design is out the door to start from scratch. So again, that ninety percent super critical for uh, the project ma the project management. That ninety percent super critical for the success of your project and that return on investment. And again, we're here to do a, the the part that we're experts at, allowing the clients to be experts at what they do, which is develop their business. I would never tell a lawyer what to write in a legal document, right? Or I would never tell a doctor halfway through a surgery, you know, look down in the stomach and tell him which thing to, to suture up, right? Like there's an expertise in every profession that yeah. uh, we respect. And I think clients um, need to realize that the designers and architects really do bring a high level of uh, professional expertise into, into any project. A side note, I know you're not going to be expecting these kind of questions, but a side note on that is, you know, the level of autonomy that's needed for you to do a good job in that design project. Is it something that, you know, you work closely, obviously, with the owner, but you do need a level of autonomy, right? Because if you've got to answer these 30 calls a day from whomever, then that's something like trust is a big aspect, is it not? Trust is a big aspect, um, you know, um, yeah, autonomy. You know, we're autonomy. It's a good. It's a good point. Uh, there are clients that are more demanding, and there are clients that are, uh, you know, more hands off. And you know, we work with both types of clients. I've worked with clients that are, you know, we're literally laying out kitchens with them. We're laying out, you know, the the uh, pastry display cases. And those are clients that I actually do appreciate working with because they have a vision. Yeah. They just don't know how to express it, right? Or make it a so, reality, yeah. Or make it a, make it a reality. Yeah. And the passion. So we really actually do appreciate uh, those kinds of clients that bring certain parameters into a project that we can then uh, bounce ideas off of and then work within those parameters to create a kind of exceptional experience. Fantastic. Well, we are just about out of time. So I just want to give you a moment to share, you know, your final takeaways, because I think there is a lot to be said for bringing in a designer, not for the 10% of the design, but 90% of the project management. Being a project manager, I really appreciate that. But if there's any final takeaways that you'd like to leave the listeners with, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think we talked about the design process and the project management process. I think the other thing that we need to, that clients should be aware of is the, the sort of PR spin-offs after the, 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 the project is open and people are coming to the project. If you've got a beautifully designed space, um, it's gonna photograph fantastically. You're gonna have magazines and publications dying to publish your restaurant. It's basically free PR. So a great design is an investment also in the, uh, you know, in the sort of um, marketing of your project, not only locally, but globally. I mean. There are like design and architecture tourists that'll literally fly halfway across the world just to sit at a restaurant because it's been published in certain magazines, right? So wow. that does attract uh, a certain level of, um, of 
you know, that should that should be something that the clients actually do consider uh, when when hiring the designer is do they have a track record of producing uh, projects that do get that PR after uh, opening? Whether we get published, you mean, in, in even architectural magazines, et cetera. That's Online a- blogs, design magazines, you know, awards, all of these things are built cachet for any given project. And that cachet translates into, you know, dollar sounds, pound sides, euro sounds. <laughs> I love that you have to cover all the places that you've lived in the world with that one. <laughs> Yens, sorry, RMBs. Uh, a final question from me. Is there a particular uh, project that you're really proud of that perhaps we can even suggest to the listeners that they should be attending or a particular place that you love even if you didn't design it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've I, people have a love-hate relationship. But it's not something I designed. People have a love-hate relationship with this restaurant interior. It's a sketch in London. Oh. Uh, it's Writing probably... It <laughs> sorry? I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, no, it's well, the first time I saw it, I just it blew my mind. And I think uh, it's just a beautiful design. They've recently um, changed the materials and the fabrics. So it's like, uh, updated it because um, I think the old one was already like six or seven years old. Yeah. Um, and they've changed the curation of the gallery in, inside. So it's a restaurant inside of an art gallery, essentially, oh, wow. or it's a restaurant with a curated um, gallery space. Okay. And so, you know, they've kind of updated the recently just updated it it's still awesome right so it's one of my favorites that's another point as well you got to update your restaurant interior so you might as well have a designer who can do it for you and with you in the future absolutely absolutely and if you do it right you don't have to close your restaurant down for months it could be a matter of weeks that's a very good point so there again with the roi there you go open sooner (laughs) make money faster yep fantastic okay well thank you very much for speaking to us about the design element. And you've heard it here first, folks, hire a designer. This audio will be shared on Spotify. This video will be shared on YouTube. Information on where to find Lucas. And if you want to hire him, we'll be underneath both. So thanks very much for joining. And thank you, Lucas. Take care. Really appreciate it, Raj. Tinybox Academy. For more information, visit us at tinybox.academy.